Welcome to episode 243 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast, a short episode on astronomical accessories for every amateur astronomer. I'm Chris, and joining me is Shane. We're amateur astronomers who love looking up at the night sky, and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. So this one is for Matthew, who is a Patreon supporter, and you don't need to be a Patreon supporter to send us show ideas to actualastronomy at gmail.com, but we certainly do appreciate those who support us through Patreon because... um, yeah, it allows us to do things like have internet in places we didn't have internet last year. And uh, I haven't received any complaints this year about my recording. Have you, Shane? No, no, I think it's way better than last summer. So that's that's good. And that is a direct thanks to our Patreon listeners, because without that, I would still be recording on a cell phone in the woods. So thank you to those who who've supported us because uh, yeah it wouldn't be possible to be doing um, we yeah we probably I don't know we probably wouldn't be doing as many episodes I can say that so it's it's enabling us to do that so that's great so Shane uh, Matthew sent us um, a really interesting email with a variety of topics that he suggested maybe we'd consider covering and the one that really jumped out at me because of the way that he detailed it was astronomical accessories for amateur astronomers because some of the stuff I have thought of I don't think we've discussed some of the stuff we have discussed but um yeah it, it might be worth uh revisiting I'm going to take one of the things out now cuz we're going to do a whole episode on that in a moment all right so um let's see what are your must have accessories or creature comforts when you go observing shame? Well, um, appropriate clothing got to be warm. So, you know, that varies throughout the year. Um, but, you know, assuming kind of the basics are already there with telescope and tripod and all that, um, probably one of the most important ones to me actually is just like my, my eyepiece case and, and like my, you know, filter case, like getting all of my gear to the field safely, but also having it organized so that it's easy to access throughout the night is super important to me. Um, if it's going to be a short session, uh, I, I might not take a chair, but if it's going to be a longer session, I certainly take a chair for some comfort, um, you know, I've got my dimming red flashlight, um, and then occasionally, especially this time of the year, uh, maybe something to repel the mosquitoes because they can become a little, uh, overwhelming at times. So, um, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, high on my list. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know, I, I, you know, we can get pretty deep into this too. Like, you know, my bino viewer might be my new favorite accessory because it does bring in a lot of comfort. Um, mm-hmm. So what about you? What are your kind of must-have accessories uh, for when you're observing? Yeah, the the chair, I can't I can't stress enough. In fact, yeah. this week I was able to finally track down um not just one but two reclining lawn chairs um that Mike had introduced me to last year. So he bought these. They're by Woods. You can get them at Canadian Tire. They're kind of hard to track down. They're not inexpensive. They're around about a hundred bucks Canadian each. Um, but they have these arms. You lift the arms up and they can recline back. They don't go back. Like you can't lie flat in them, um, but you can sit up straight. They have nice arms. They're extremely comfortable, well-supported and then like a full height chair. Um, but you can recline about, it's more than 45 degrees. I'm going to say it's about 60 degrees back. Mm-hmm. So um, with the nice high arms on them, 
and the good support, these are absolutely perfect for doing binocular astronomy. Um, and they're just also very comfortable to have around. So, um, yeah, I, I, I tried mics out, I think two or three times anyway, actually, I think mostly just sitting around camp and, uh, and I just thought, oh, these are so good. I, I have to get one. And, and I hadn't been able to track them down. And finally they got a few in stock at a Canadian tire in the city. And so I drove across town and, uh, and grabbed a couple, um, the other thing is I've, I really like, this is a neat accessory. It's not real expensive. It's uh, $38 American. You can get them at a Gina. Um, you can get them in a variety of other places. It's by Antares, which is a Canadian company made by Glenn Spears. And it, and it is kind of handmade, but it works really well. And it's a two inch to one and a quarter twist lock eyepiece adapter. And you can thread filters onto it and the eyepiece won't bottom out into the filter and I've, I've read stories about how much people like them for a long time. I finally picked one up uh, last year and it's great. It's a really great accessory and it allows you to adapt your two inch or your one and a quarter inch eyepieces to your two inch focuser. And there's a variety of things I like about it is that it's really easy to use in the dark. You're not messing with screws. Um, it, it's just perfectly made to fit eyepieces. A lot of the time adapters... I find they're kind of futzy to deal with. And this one, the eyepiece go in smoothly and then you just twist it and it's very secure. It adds um, uh, no additional screw that's going to rub against maybe an eyepiece lens or something in your eyepiece case. That's a huge benefit. The only thing that I wish that they would do with it is put a little bit of a rubber coating around it so that it uh, it's not as cold in the winter. That's That's my only complaint. But honestly, what a lot of people do I mean, your eyepieces are steel anyway, um, but what a lot of people do is they buy a whole pile of them and just adapt all their their uh, one and a quarters to two inches. That's how they're going to use it. And I'm definitely probably going to buy um, another few of these at some point in time to uh, to have have more than one in the eyepiece case. I, I think it, it's that useful an accessory. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, handy to have for sure. Cheap works really well. Okay. Um, let's see. He asked any clever things, uh, you've seen others implement or DIY DIY when out in the field or at a star party. Huh? Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I can talk to a couple of things. Um, there's one DIY project that I saw and then I replicated at home. Oh, okay. And, uh, so you and I, Chris, we have those Manfrotto tripods that have like, um, I don't know, kind of like the two post legs, like there's uh, uh they're, they're quite rigid. Um, I forget the model. I think mine's like a 3046 or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what somebody did on cloudy nights, I think was they just cut a piece of wood, like, uh, I don't know, like a one by four or something like that. Um, that sort of matched the contour of the leg. And then they uh, drilled two inch holes and one and a quarter inch holes. Um, and then when you, you, you just attach this to the tripod using zip ties on each of the legs, and then it essentially like, it becomes an eyepiece holder, uh, on the tripod, because when the legs are out, they're at an angle, mm-hmm. and, like there's no way your eyepieces will fall out of this thing. And it was super handy. So, yeah, you know, I had some spare lumber in the garage and it took me, you know, no more than probably 15 or 20 minutes to, you know, cut it and, and, and put it on. So that one is pretty cool. 
Um, and then as far as what I've seen at star parties, um, uh, kind of like these portable observatories, but some people will just get like ABS plumbing tubes, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of glue them together so that they form walls. With oh yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I know a guy who did that. Yeah. 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 And, and like these, these folks will construct it so that it comes apart. So, you know, it's easy to pack away in your vehicle for travel. But then when you set it up, you do have a little bit of a wind shelter and um, that can be super important, not just for your comfort, you know, to stay warm, but uh, depending on, you know, how big your telescope is, keeping wind off of your scope just for stability can also extend your observing into the evening. So um, I've not, I've not done that one, but I've seen it and I think it's a neat idea. Okay. I have... uh... One, it's good. I mean, it's really just one. And, and this is, this is really, really a simple thing and it's quite brilliant. And I never, I never would have thought of it on my own, but you know, we observe with refractors and they can be uh, susceptible to doing up, especially Mm -hmm. in, in, uh, you know, more Eastern climates than where where we're living or where I'm living now. And I was out one night and, uh, and I saw another observer and it was going to be a really dewy night. We knew that. And, and we showed up and he went, oh, it's going to be really dewy. I know how to fix this. And he went, this is so brilliant. He went and got, he happened to have a, a spare t-shirt in his car or something, which often we have because we're, we're out, maybe we're camping or something like that. And so he grabbed a t-shirt and he actually put the telescope through the sleeves. Hmm. And then when he was observing, of course, he would he would um, have like the objective end through the sleeve, and so it's not obstructing anything. And then as soon as he like like pulled away to like look at a star chart or something, he would just simply um, pull the sleeve over the end and then pull the other sleeve over the eyepiece. So it's like nice fabric, so it's not going to scratch anything. Mm-hmm. And it and it, you know unless it's like so dewy that it's going to soak the t-shirt. Um, this actually, um, you know, extended a session. Then when it got really dewy, capped up, let that dew fall, um, pulled the shirt off or whatever, and then, um, you know, open the scope back up. And then, you know, he, he really made it for a whole night session. Um, I, that night only got through maybe about 45 or 50 minutes. And we observed through his scope for about three hours that night. And, you know, three hour session, that's a good session. We were done anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was starting to do up towards the end, but I remember it was like this horrendously dewy night and just a simple t-shirt that many people are going to have in the car anyway. And on the refractor uh, just was such a brilliant idea that I actually went out and I bought like just a goofy t-shirt to have. It was like a tuxedo t-shirt. And I had this in my car because I knew I'm never going to wear this. And I used to have that always in my car. And, you know, you can wash it when it gets dirty. And then, you know, it was like I bought, it was like a t-shirt store, but I bought like a high quality t-shirt that I knew would uh, would be good around optics. And uh, and yeah, I, I would put my telescope through this on, on nights that would be really dewy and easy to have in the car and super cheap. And anyway, that, that's my idea for a simple DIY in the field. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, If you're interested in DIY projects, there's a lot out there for astronomy, you know, making your own chairs, making your own dew heaters. Um, It really just depends on your level of, uh, I guess, willingness to take on some of these projects. Some are more complex than others, but uh, there's a lot of neat things out there that people do. Headlamps or flashlights? I prefer the flashlight for sure. Me too. Um, flashlight with a lanyard. So it goes around your neck. Um, and the big reason for this is sometimes I just like 
put my light on and it's exceptionally low uh, brightness. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll leave the light on sometimes. And when it's around my neck, then it's pointing down. Um, you know, if you got a headlamp on, you might blind somebody else or give them some unwanted. What's that? Don't, don't wear headlamps when you're around other people. (laughs) It's just, it'll impact other folks. Right. And that's just the last thing you want to do. So flashlight on a lanyard, uh, and always pointed down, never pointed, you know, kind of parallel with the ground or anything like that. Yeah. Cause again, you might, yeah. you might light up somebody that doesn't want that. Yeah. If you're observing alone, that's fine. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, but you know, so many times I see people with these headlamps they're like, I got this headlamp. Isn't it great? And it's like, good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. All yeah. right. Um, I patches and astronomy hoods slash vests. Yeah, I've tried the eye patch thing. I just find it very uncomfortable. Um, And because I wear glasses, it's just kind of hard to use in conjunction with glasses. So eye patches, not for me, although some people really do like them. Um, In fact, like if you read about folks that chase really, really dim, challenging objects, uh, they're big believers in night patches to get maximum uh, dark adaptation and then preserve it in their observing eye. So you know, there's merit to it. It just doesn't work for me. Um, and then astronomy hoods, vests, I've kind of looked at these things. I've never purchased one. The hood intrigues me more for solar observing, just to keep the brightness of the sun away from your eye, uh, while mm. you're uh, actually looking. Cause it does help to, um, uh, see more detail on the sun when you do that. Um, but a baseball cap pretty much does the same thing. You know, the brim of the hat blocks that light and then, um, and then you're okay. So, um, again, you know, your mileage may vary each, each person has their own preferences, but, uh, neither of these really appeal to me. One of Matthew's other suggestions was to have like a, like an optometrist or an ophthalmologist or somebody on, I would like to ask them about that. Cause see my understanding with the way that an eye, uh, like, like the way that the eye works is your eyes work, um, in conjunction with one another. People may have noticed this. And um, as such, because of that, an eye patch um, over one eye may not have uh, that much of a benefit on preserving uh, night vision. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe it does. Maybe it's like this really marginal thing. And I guess maybe if you're hunting super faint stuff, maybe that's where it's helpful. Um, but like, for example, if you you know completely cover one eye and dark adapted and then shine a flashlight into the other eye, um, I think, I think your other pupil will also constrict, maybe it doesn't constrict as much. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe under low light conditions, maybe, maybe there's an advantage. I, I don't know. Um, I've tried to read up on that, but I couldn't find anything to support like covering one eye over the other, but maybe there's, maybe there's some merit. Maybe there is the only thing that I noticed different when mm-hmm. I've tried this Mm-hmm. is that my um, photoreceptors, because the photoreceptors are, are eye independent. So if I cover one eye, the photoreceptors will receive photons, um, you know, for color differently um, than the eye that was, that was uncovered. Um, but that's, I don't know if that's going to impact dark adoption. Maybe it will. I don't know. It, hmm. it seems like the jury is out for me. Uh, hoods and vests, um, I usually just wear a pair of gloves and then cover my, like cover around the eyepiece with gloves and that, that works pretty good. Mm-hmm. And slow motion cables. Do you use slow motion cables? I have, um, some of my vintage telescopes, the mounts come with them. Um, they're kind of neat, but 
they make more sense if you have a real long focal length telescope, because when you have a long telescope, it means you're further away from the mount. So it's harder to reach. Um, so, you know, getting that extension with the slow-mo cable helps. What I don't like about them is they kind of bounce, you know, like they Mm -hmm. have a little bit of tension and after you release, you know, you turn it and then release it, it bounces a little bit. And sometimes that can actually introduce a little bit of vibration to your whole system. So, um, eh, you know, I, I, the other side of this is I don't often use mounts with slow motion controls anyway. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a moot point, but when I do like my sky T2, I just turn the little knobs that are on there for, for my slow motion. I should have said slow motion cables. Um, I bought them once cause I, I bought the Takahashi Lapidus modified mm-hmm. and had like these really short turn screws um, for uh, right ascension and then the other one for declination that they were way, way, way too short. So I bought the uh, slow motion cables because they were really cheap. And I thought, oh, this is the perfect solution. And I did not like them. I found them like super awkward. They kind of sort of wobbled around everywhere. So I was always like kind of hitting them. And then I found like it was really... I don't know. They weren't as easy to turn as I, I thought it was just going to be super slick, but it wasn't. So what I ended up doing is I don't even know where they are now. I did. I sold them. Maybe I gave them to somebody or something, but anyway, I took those off and they wouldn't stay on as well. Like I thought, Oh, I'll just like put them on and leave, but they, they wouldn't stay on and they'd get loose through the session as temperature. Anyway. Um, and I bought a pair of aluminum uh, knobs that are, that are really long. They look kind of stupid on it, but they work beautifully. Like they're just there and it's solid and you just turn that has perfect feel to, I think they're from Bob's knobs or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that, that's what I uh, transitioned over. All right. Have you seen these right angle Telrad covers with the mirrors on them? Yes. Um, I've never bought one, uh, for, for my Telrad when I used to use a Telrad, but when I had the, uh, Teleview Genesis SDF, it came with the Teleview Starbeam finder, which oh, okay. has that same concept, right? It, it has this mirror that basically rather than looking through the finder, you just sort of like, you could be top down and just look at this mirror. It's reflecting, you know, essentially what your telescope is pointed at. Um, and I found it exceptionally difficult to use, um, just because the mirror is reversing that image and it just, my brain couldn't do the mental gymnastics at night to like (laughs) move everything opposite, you know, to what I was seeing. It just was really strange to me. And I I did not like it. Just give me a straight old red dot finder and I can't be happier. Yeah. I, I I guess I wasn't, I never really paid that much attention to this kind of technology before. And uh, I didn't quite understand how that star beam worked. Sounds like the, uh, the Telrad works, works the same. I almost like want to try one now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, again, it seems like it could be, it could be more of a hassle than anything. Um, yeah. When I was observing last night, I, I, you know, I'm just still getting used to where the Schmidt newt is pointed. Um, and it has a three and a half degree field of view. So it's, it's pretty easy to kind of find stuff. So, in, you know, with my refractor, I probably could have found the comet in, I don't know, like three minutes. And last night it took me like maybe 10 minutes to find it in the Schmidt Newt. So mm-hmm. not really, not really a, a showstopper to not have a finder for me. All right. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say the, the 45 degree mirror, like the selling feature, uh, is that it, it, 
like saves you from having to bend over and crank your neck to look through the finder. Mm. But um, if, if you can make it work, I think it's awesome. You know, I just, it didn't work for me. Yeah. I wonder if the, the Telrad one looks bigger. Like I'm looking online here. And mm, I see yeah, it. that could help for sure. Yeah. So may, maybe it does. And I think it's a lot cheaper too, I imagine. Teleview, anything with the green and black is is going to be running you Boku dollars. All right. Yeah. Um, astronomy chairs. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, in fact, I have two. I built one. Like um, if you want a DIY project, just uh, do an internet search for the Denver observers chair. Uh, you'll find all sorts of plans. I built one of those. Uh, it just stays in my backyard all of the time. I don't put it away. And yeah. uh, when I observe, it's there and it's ready. And then I have the Burla back one for when I'm doing longer sessions because it's more comfortable. I, I think chairs and observing is something that um, people come to far. It takes people far too long to come to them because it just, it, it, it doesn't have the, the same um, cachet appeal as, as many of the other things that you might be looking at, but as far as utility in the field, um, there are a few things that are, that are more useful, um, than having uh, a good observing chair, one, like a good observing chair to have at the telescope, and then a really, really good, um, camp chair that has the ability to recline and is very supportive both for, uh, daytime and nighttime use and, and have those two uh, things available to you. Um, when you're out observing in the field for for those sessions that are longer than an hour, um, yeah, it, that those are game changers in ways that are difficult to describe. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Um, my chair is the most important thing to me. It it probably, I would say, it extends my observing sessions by about fifty percent. Uh, you know, no science behind that, but um, my back can't take being crunched, like, you know, kind of bent over all night looking through a telescope, whether it's, you know, a Newtonian or a refractor. Um, and sometimes even standing all night, uh, you know, kind of fatigues me. So being able to sit comfortably really adds time to, or adds to the amount of time I can spend observing. Finder scope, straight through, right angle, zero power. What's your preference? Uh, my preference is a zero power red dot. That's it. Um, I you know, they're light, they're small, uh, they don't take a lot of battery power. Um, and really the point to me of a finder is just to get your telescope pointed at the right part of the sky. So mm -hmm. a red dot does that, um, yep. straight through finders. I find quite uncomfortable. The right angle ones are, are nice. Um, you know, they provide some magnification, um, but they're heavier and I don't know. I just, again, I like the simplicity of the red dot. It, it works really well for me. I like my Borg in the right angle configuration with the Amici prism. Mm -hmm. That's my finder. Like, so I used to, like you, I used to have zero power. I used to have like a, a laser pointer finder. Um, but now, like, I think I've just been doing astronomy so long that I no longer even need, like, and I, I did that so much for, for so many years that I can pretty much take a telescope and point it in that general area of the sky and so if I'm trying to find something that's reasonably bright, like even, even this comet last night that I, I couldn't quite get in my binoculars because the moon was already coming up by the time I, I was getting in the area. Um, yeah, I could, I could get my telescope pointed in the general field and kind of then, you know, just sort of eyeball the telescope or, you know, just look down the tube, just eyeball it. And then, okay, then just sort of pan around with the, uh, uh, with, with the eyepiece, which is what you would do with the zero power anyway. So yeah, I'm, you know, sort of at that point. So I would really like to get um, 
my finder scope that are that are working with the, with this new setup. Let's see um, electronic devices for planning, documenting, uh, journals, forms. Uh, any thoughts on these? Uh, well, I use my iPad and uh, I use Tap Forms. Uh, like I, Tap Forms is an app that you can customize the entry. So I've built my own like observing logs. Uh, so that's how I record all of my observations. And then, you know, part of my planning, I just use Sky Safari and you know, there's a number of other apps out there, but I only use those at home on the couch. You know, I never use yeah. that stuff in the field. No. Uh, you and I have said many, many times that, you know, we're, what we really like in the field is just a, you know, a red or amber flashlight with a star yeah. chart, like a paper star chart or like, you know, the pocket sky Atlas is, is great as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I totally agree. I use uh, Sky Safari for planning. Um, I don't use it in the field. And then for uh, for journaling, um, I, I have swapped. I used to try to make complicated forms, and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And now it's not for me. Um, like, this is my own thing. You know, I'm not a scientist and probably not going to make any discoveries or anything like that. Um, so I just use like a blank sketch pad. And uh, yeah, probably like two thirds of the night, I'm doing some sketching and I enjoy that just sort of like, you know, sometimes I'll make a circle on the page, maybe half the time, half the time I don't just kind of sketch, sketch away. It's my own, my own thing. And sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not very good. It's mm -hmm. all good. Okay. Anything else to add to this? The, uh, you know, astronomical accessory episode. No, that's everything, Chris. All right. Well, Shane, I'm going to, Thank you and everybody else for listening. And when I conclude, we'll uh, maybe we'll take a five minute break and come back. Um, in the meantime, subscribers, uh, thank you so much. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. It certainly helps us out quite a bit. We're always happy to receive Patreon uh, support like that from Matthew, who suggested this episode. And you can always reach us with those suggestions to actualastronomy at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.